to Crown Conversations Trade Season Edition. Joining me today is Kent from Knox Misconduct. Kent, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here again. We did speak with you early in the season to preview the Vancouver Canucks. Things have gone swimmingly, I would say, for Vancouver and not so much for LA. Uh, well, things have gone better than we thought. Uh, if if th- if we were to say things are going swimmingly, we'd probably be looking towards the lifeguard right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not quite as rosy as it appears, and uh, things could get pretty scary pretty quick. So, I mean, the Canucks are well. I guess they're second now in the division. I believe the Golden Knights just took over first, but they were leading the Pacific for much of the season. Uh, yeah, it was a, about the last month they were in first place. Uh, the problem is, is you know, even when they were playing extremely well and going on the, these winning streaks, they weren't gaining any ground on the rest of the teams in the Pacific. Everybody else continued to win right along with them. You know, so eventually everybody caught up and now they've uh, overtaken them. So now it's a matter of can they, not only can they try and get back into that top spot, but, you know, can they avoid falling right out? Because all it would take is, you know, a three or four game losing streak and they could be sitting outside of the wild card spot. To be fair, the Pacific is really bad. So you have at least three teams you don't have to worry about, the California teams. So a three or four game win streak could put them back in first place. It could go either way. This division is quite wild. Yeah. And then, you know, they go and they lose 5-1 to Anaheim on Sunday. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't take a night off in the Pacific. I don't think it's actually as bad as people think. I think, yeah, the, the California teams have not played well this year, but everybody else is pretty good, and it's just turning into this ridiculous dogfight, no pun intended because of the picture that just popped up on the screen. But um, for some reason, there's a dog showing. Uh, That's my but, avatar. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's a cute dog. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, it's been just, crazy tight in that division all season long and uh you know there's going to be a really good team coming out of that division but you know will they have anything left that's the that's the thing 
but you know, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. You know, Edmonton's going to be without Connor McDavid for a while still, and we have to see, you know, what other changes are going to be made heading into the trade deadline and stuff like that, and how the Canucks are going to react to not having Brock Besser, who's been, you know, having a quietly good season for them. So speaking of injuries, it seems like one of the reasons why Jim Benning pulled this move to, or I should say pulled the trigger on the Tyler Toffoli trade is because the, uh, the Canucks are quite injured right now. What was it? Uh, it was Besser. And I saw a few other names. In- yeah. Furland and, uh, um, yeah, there's, Oscar Fantenberg's been out for a while, but he's been practicing again. And uh, Josh Levo is also going to be gone for the rest of the season now. Um, he's been, already been out for a couple months with a fractured kneecap. And uh, they were hoping that they might get him back before the, before the end of the season. But now, if he's coming back, it'll be during the playoffs. You know, which is unfortunate because, you know, it was a, a hit from behind that wasn't called. There was no suspension. You know, it's uh, been a kind of a recurring theme with the Canucks this year. I think they've had three people go down to injuries where they should have been. There should have been something done by uh, Department of Player Safety and nothing happened. Yeah, well... I'm not going to say anything about that. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that, that, that is off-season content, Kent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let's talk about Tyler Chifoli. Okay. Um I saw a couple of different places about where he could slot in, uh, potentially alongside Pedersen or potentially alongside Bo. Where, um, have, the, have the Canucks practiced with him yet? Uh, yeah, and it looks like at least to start the game tonight, he's probably going to be on the first line with Pedersen. But uh, I think the original uh, thinking of bringing him in was for him to be the second-line winger alongside uh, Horvat and uh, Tanner Pearson. So, uh, you know, we could end up seeing that line at some point tonight. Um Right now, they've got Louis Erickson penciled in on the second line. And, you know, I just <laughs> I just don't even know what to say. But, I mean, there was a, a brief Louis renaissance for a couple weeks where he was actually playing like the kind of player that he was thought we were getting when he originally signed with the Canucks. But it's kind of gone back to regular old Louis again, so... You know, Jim Benning and his uh, <laughs> wonderful free agent signings. But Well, so Tyler Toffoli, he has been reunited with his buddy, uh, Tanner Pearson. They were quite dangerous in 2014. And then for some reason since 2016, the Kings have been trying to trade Toffoli. I think personally – that if they get any kind of chemistry with Bo going, uh, that could be a really dangerous line. But, I mean, is there any kind of depth for the Canucks? Well, I mean, like, down the middle, they're they're pretty strong, you know. So the problem has been finding the right 
person on the right side for Horvat, and they've tried a number of different players, and they've they've done okay, but you know they really just haven't been able to find that person, you know, that clicks with Horvat, and I, and I think that the way to fully place the game, you know, and his chemistry that he has with Pearson and and Horvat and Pearson have been solid together for you know the last couple of months. So, you know, I think that even if they don't do it right now out of necessity, it will eventually become, you know, a solid line and give them a nice one-two punch. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Jake Bertanen get bumped back up to the top line. He he didn't look out of place there when he was playing with Pedersen and uh, JT Miller. So, you know, which was kind of a surprise because, a lot of people had resigned themselves to uh, Jake being a, a bottom six type of player, you know, for a high first round draft pick. It was seen as a bit of a, you know, a loss for the Canucks uh, on on choosing him, but he's had a really good year and uh, he's already set a, a new personal, you know, season high for goals and uh, continues to play strong. You know, he's starting to grow in to, you know, his physical presence and stuff like that, becoming more of a traditional power forward. I think he's still got to learn a bit more about that aspect of the game, but, you know, starting to see the hands that he showed in junior as well. So overall, it's, you know, Bertanen's been a, a nice surprise this year that the progress that he made last year is continuing and that he hasn't peaked yet. You know, it's funny, the the problem that the Canucks are having with Bo Horvat is the same problem that the Kings ha- that the Kings have had most of Andrzej Kopitar's career. So in 2014, well, in 2012, they had Dustin Brown on Kopitar's left wing. So they've been trying for many, many years to find an elite winger for Kopitar. Never really worked. Um, so 2012 was Dustin Brown, and then 2014 they brought in Gabrick, and they were like, well, what the heck? And so this seems kind of like your uh, your Gabrick almost. Yeah, it could be. You know what I mean? He just may end up being a rental for all we know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, we, we get the, the trade, like it makes a lot more sense knowing the urgency because of the injuries. But, you know, if if the injuries weren't quite as severe – this trade would look kind of bad for, you know, how much he ended up paying for Toffoli, especially if he's only going to end up being a rental because there's no guarantee that they're going to re-sign him in the off season. And, you know, and this is definitely part of a playoff push. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, Benning's job likely hangs on them making the playoffs this year, despite the fact that he just signed a, an extension over the past summer, which, you know, I'm pretty sure I must have mentioned it at some point. It made no sense for them to sign him to an extension after missing the playoffs for the fourth straight year. This should have been the year that they say, okay, make the playoffs this year and you'll get your extension. So, you know, it just seemed to be a ass backwards way of uh, going about it. But then again, this is the Canucks, right? <laughs> Well, on the bright side, there's no more Tim Schaller, so. Yeah, you know. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, 
not quite the joy that we felt when Erica Branson was traded away, but yeah, Tim just, he was signed to far too much money for the player that he was. He was not particularly effective. Like he was okay in a, in a penalty killing role, but five on five, he was getting crushed regularly, you know, um, and that was, that's had a real impact on the Canucks this year is that fourth line, just getting their heads caved in constantly, you know, especially without Tyler Mott, who was probably the only saving grace of that line, you know, and so he's back from injury tonight as well. So that's a, a positive thing, but, uh, yeah, so now they just need to do something about Jay Beagle and perhaps they can move forward. But, you know, until they until they fix a the back end, you know, there's got to be some type of a swap out of parts on the back end because those guys just aren't getting it done apart from Quinn Hughes being, you know, probably one of the best damn rookie defensemen that the NHL has seen in decades. Um, yeah, they're just not good enough defensively. And then, you know, team defense on top of that, you know, the forwards have to do a better job of helping out because Jacob Markstrom cannot continue. And uh, Thatcher Demko, too, has played extremely well this season. Both goaltenders are giving them, you know, the kind of goaltending that we haven't seen since uh, the Luongo heyday. Uh, yeah, and Corey Schneider, yeah. You know, and uh, they, you know, they just can't keep it up. I can't see how they can. You know, 40, 50 shots a night, they're going to get worn out. So. Well, you never know. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe, I mean, <laughs> maybe Markstrom can go into God mode for the rest of yeah. the season and and the playoffs. Hey, you well, never. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that's the thing. Like, you know, there's there's this line of thinking that you know the the situation with his father passing away um and all of you know his, his play this season it's all kind of intertwined and it's just like he's almost willing this team into the playoffs you know and i mean you know they're getting good like the goal scoring being up and they've you know got some exciting young players and stuff but you know it is jacob markstrom who is helping this team stay afloat right now and uh you know, if it like if he were to go down with injury, uh, yeah, that would be it. They'd be done. You know, because even as good as Demko has played, I don't know if he could carry it the rest of the way. So, you know, every time somebody bumps into him, you know, the entire fan base takes a deep breath and. Yeah. yeah, I've seen what the fan base has to say anytime somebody gets near Markstrom. So <laughs> yeah, you know, between between him, Patterson, or Quinn Hughes, you just you can't really you can't really touch them right now. We're a little sensitive. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame I don't blame Canucks fans. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, I want to talk about Tanner Pearson. He is on pace to beat his career high 41, sorry, his career high 44 points. He's played 59 games so far, 17 goals, 24 assists. His career high is 44 points set in 2016-17. Um, what has led to his resurgence with the Canucks? Well, I think just getting used in the right situations. You know, he's been playing a lot with Bo Horvat. He's been getting some time on the power play. And, you know, just a nice system with a coach that trusts him and has you know, allowed him to uh, do what he does best. You know, I, I really liked the trade when he came over. You know, I was excited to see because, you know, we being in the same division, we'd had a pretty good idea of what kind of player we were getting. And he has been, you know, every bit the player they thought they hoped he was since they they brought him over. So uh, to see him excelling this year and, and playing as well as he is, you know, and especially in, in his role as the uh, one of the empty net crew because uh, he's – scored a number of his goals into empty nets <laughs> this year. So uh, and Louis Erickson, they're uh, <laughs> a bit of a threat for that apparently. So, but yeah, no, he's a, he's a great player. He's fun to watch. And uh, I think he just really kind of fits with this team. You know, I mean, with the Sedins leaving, they've been not only just rebuilding the core, but rebuilding their identity. And Pearson, I think because he has experience He's been part of, you know, successful championship teams. He's probably a real underrated voice in that dressing room right now. So for him to uh, come in and be able to teach some of these younger kids, it's having an impact. And uh, this is a good thing, you know, to have somebody in as part of that leadership group who's, you know, he may not be wearing an A on his sweater, but, you know, make no bones about it. This guy is helping these young kids get ready for the playoffs. And if they can pull it off, you know, anything can happen once you get in the dance, right? Well, that's the theory, at least. Uh, the LA Kings and the St. Louis Blues have really proved that. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for reminding <laughs> me about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I guess there is something to be said to have that veteran leadership in the room. I mean, that's what a lot of people um, around Carolina have said. And they, they said that, you know, what's really led to their resurgence. Yes, they have a lot of talent, but they also had that, that veteran. It's not enough to be a veteran because I think the Oilers tried that a few times where they're like, okay, yeah. well, we're going to bring this guy to be a veteran. It's like, okay, well, that's fine but he has to be productive. So he can't yeah. be just a veteran. Yeah. He has it, to be good. It has to be the right mix too. And I mean, that's the hard part is like sure. getting the guys that are going to connect with each other, you know, and play as a team. As, as corny as it sounds, 
You know, you can't just throw a team together. I mean, that might work in a tournament setting, but over a long haul, and especially in a, a playoffs like the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is, you know, pretty much the hardest thing to win in sports, you know, um, it, you got to have the right guys. And that's the job of the general manager. So, you know, putting it well, and then the coach to make sure that the, the right guys that you have are being used the right way. It's funny. Um, as, as fall, as hard as his fall from grace was, Dean Lombardi was obsessed with that, of getting the right mix of guys, getting the right amount of experience with the right amount of skill, with the right amount of people who are willing to play as part of a team. I mean, he was like hellbent on that. And, and to be fair, it worked. It took, he had a five-year plan to get them back into the playoffs. It took four years. And then two years after they got back into the playoffs, they, they won. So, I mean, I guess there is really something to be said about that mix, but on paper, you can always find that mix on paper. It should work. Right. But you yeah. never really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I mean, that's why the playoffs play out the way they do and we'll see what happens. And, so do you think that Tanner Pearson can best his career high of 24 goals this season? I mean, oh, he's yeah. got, what, 20 games left? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that this team has not struggled with this year is scoring. Oh, you know, I mean, jealous. It's, they have uh, six players over 40 points, which I believe leads the NHL, um, you know, which was a shock to hear just because, I mean, especially the last couple of seasons, the scoring was just so hard to come by, you know, especially before Elias Pedersen showed up. I mean, you know, you still had the scenes putting up points, but like nobody else was scoring. So uh, uh, between, you know, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes providing a ton of offense from the back end, uh, JT Miller being, you know, just an unbelievable season. Like, you know, there were so many people who were down on that trade when it first happened, saying that the Canucks should, you know, paid way too much by sending over a first-round pick. And, you know, when you look what they've gotten from Miller this year, you know, for him to be setting career highs in his first season with the Canucks and to just build that chemistry with Patterson. I mean, those, he's been lethal and he's, you know, changed the, the look of the power play. Um, so yeah, I think Pearson definitely, you know, like a lot of other guys are going to be setting personal highs this year for the Canucks. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, whether it comes with them, scoring and winning or trying to outscore so they don't end up losing That's <laughs> the, the running theme this year, apparently. So, <laughs> Well, that's certainly one way to set your career high. Well, they scored five, so we'll score six. <laughs> yeah. It's the old Edmonton Oilers theory, you know, <laughs> it's like Grant Pierre was a great goaltender. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you know, he could shut the door after he gave up seven and then, you know, <laughs> Gretzky and Curry would plot a hat trick each and then, you know, they could figure out a way to get to eight, but so they, they, uh, <laughs> run a good day anymore, but it's getting yeah. close. Um, 
the the Edmonton Oilers current edition have tried that, but it never really worked. So, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, they've got a couple young guys coming up that are that are looking pretty good, but overall, you know, they're still very much a two player team. You know, so they've got to make some more changes. They're they're they are getting better goaltending than I thought they would get. You know, it's just a matter of can it be sustained and defensively they've been a little bit better than a lot of people thought they would be. Uh, it's funny um, that it's not the people on defense that they thought were going to get it done. You know, Ethan Bear has been really good for them. I think he's uh, going to end up being a real solid NHL player. But, uh, yeah, you know, they're just Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. They're all in the same boat here. You know, three or four losses, and they could be end up missing the playoffs because of that. You know, so every game is a must win, which is, I mean, from a Vancouver standpoint, it's great because we haven't had meaningful hockey this late in the season for four year, four or five years now. So to have games that mean something every night is helping bring the fans back in. So tonight the Canucks are going to see the Wild, which I think they're actually one of the hotter teams right now in the league. Um, what do you think that fans can expect to see from Toffoli tonight? Like, has management said anything about what they're expecting out of him or kind of the, the player they expect him to be? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of expectations on his shoulders. Well, yeah, I think a little bit. Mostly, you know, he's just saying that the the typical, you know, he's excited to be here and, you know, get a, a, a new start with a new team and, you know, excited to be back with his buddy, Tanner Pearson. Um, so, you know, I think it's good that he, he plays his first game at home. Um, they're still kind of coming off of that feel-good high of the Sedin Week celebration and stuff and uh you know the crowds are starting to get larger and louder as the season goes on um sunday was a bit of a reality check <laughs> getting uh their proverbial asses handed to them the way that <laughs> the ducks did but uh and i think that uh they're going to come out not only because of that but because of uh the uh the mood in the last meeting against Minnesota as well. It was a really, really kind of snarly game that brought back a lot of memories of the way that Wild used to play against Vancouver back in their, their early days. Uh, you know, there was a lot of animosity going on. And uh, so I think you'll see a bit of a carryover of that. One final question. Um, the Kings and the Canucks don't see each other for another month. Uh, today, the day that we're recording, is the 19th. Uh, Kings will be seeing the Canucks. I think the Canucks are coming to visit. Yes, the Canucks are visiting on March 21st. I know a lot can happen in four weeks, but you got any predictions about any, any further moves that the Canucks are going to make? Um, anything like that? Well, uh, I saw Elliot Friedman apparently was on a Toronto radio station today suggesting that the Canucks might be willing to send Ole Levy from uh, their Utica farm team to New Jersey for Wayne Simmons. 
and uh, I it just made me want to cry and drink. Um, you know, that, between that and Jim Benning yesterday saying that he felt that defensively the team was in good shape. Uh, oh no! Don't even know what to say. So uh, the deadline is going to be an adventure. There's oh, it is? Like, oh yeah, the Canucks are not done by any stretch. Oh no! Yeah. Um, and unfortunately it's not probably not going to address the true needs that they have. Uh, but you know, Jim Benning's been in denial about how bad this team is defensively for quite a while. Uh, so maybe he'll surprise us. I mean, you know, the JT Miller trade was a hell of a surprise and it worked out. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's done better trade wise than he has on, free agent signings uh, you know it's it's his free agent signings that have come back to kill him because basically he's only had three out of all of the signings that you know ended up being halfway decent players for the for the Canucks so uh, we'll see what happens uh, but uh, they've got a road swing coming up where they play uh, Toronto uh, Montreal Ottawa and uh, Think they're where do they head after that? Let me just open up their schedule real quick here. Uh, plus, they've got Boston on Saturday night, and then they hit the road, and they play. Uh, yeah, they finish up that uh, road swing in Columbus, and then it's back home for Arizona and Colorado. So that's two weeks of just absolute intense games. You know, I mean, Montreal is probably the worst team that they play out of that whole thing. Well, well, I'm in Ottawa, but even then, like Ottawa's given teams trouble this year. Montreal still thinks they can battle for a playoff spot. Uh, Toronto, you know, they're <laughs> fighting like hell to get in. Columbus yeah. has been playing extremely well. They've got to play Arizona three times before the end of the season. They play Colorado twice in March. Uh, like the March schedule is just insane. There's one, two, three back to backs. Yeah, it's, you know, if they can make it through that, you know, maybe they're going to be okay. But we'll see what happens on Monday and maybe, uh, maybe Jim will pull it out or maybe we'll be looking at uh, another off season where we're trying to find things to write about in April. Who knows? Well, just for uh, me personally, I'm hoping for the Canucks to have a deep playoff run because I want to see Tanner and Tyler have good success again because I love them with all my heart. Oh, well, I'm sure they appreciate <laughs> that. And I'm excited to see what Toffoli can do. I mean, you know, he was – he had some of his best games against the Canucks. So to kind of have that on our side right now is a, is a good feeling, you know, especially with being without Besser for a while and stuff yeah. like that. And, and uh, you know, the whole thing with Michael Furland. Which, Actually, uh, it's, it's funny because in, um, in the highlights reel or the highlights package that they put together saying thank you to Foley or whatever, um, I mean, that the Kings put together, he they they showed his his hat tricks and I think two of his hat tricks came against the Canucks and I was thinking can't score a hat trick on you if you sign him to or trade him to your team. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, that's one way to keep it from happening. You know. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, then again, remember, Louis Erickson's first goal as a Canuck was into his own net. So, you know. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. One of Jonathan Quick's most memorable moments was scoring in the playoffs on his own net. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it, well, it all kind of balances out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for as much good as the players can do, they can also do as much harm. So, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. You like that. It's all it, it all balances out. Yep. All right, Kent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck oh. to the Canucks, and hopefully good things will come for Tanner and Tyler. Uh, excellent. Always good to hear from you. All right. You have a good one.